Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the NFL schedule release is going to be coming out this week on Thursday. And it is one of those events that they tried it. Like we know who we're playing. We know who the teams are, but now we get to know the order. Now we get to make our plans. We're going to fly to this game. Where are we going? Who are we playing on our birthday? On my birthday? Who cares? Who are we playing? And are we playing the chiefs in Germany? By the way, I've heard some rumors that the chiefs don't even want to play us. They, they, they want to play us in arrowhead because they're so worried about facing us on a neutral field that they can't have it. They got to have that home field advantage. See, that's how scared everybody is of the Chicago Bears. But listen, I could go on and on. We have a huge packs show for you tonight. So you know what? I'm not going to waste any more time. Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. Huge show planned for you tonight. The Bears rookies were in camp this weekend, and we will have rookie Kendall Williamson on the show to talk about his thoughts and his experience about joining the Bears. And speaking of the draft, we have one of the top draft analysts in the business, John Vogel, who uh, you have seen on the Sick Network before. Uh, He's going to come in and talk specifically about the Chicago Bears. We talked about the schedule release. A lot of stuff to cover here in a very short amount of time. So let's waste no time and bring in our co-host, Carmen Vitale, who joins us from FoxSports.com. Carmen, how you living? Uh, I'm great. Much better than last week. So thanks for holding it down. I was a little sicky after spending my entire weekend at Hallis. So yeah, I'm back fish, better than ever. Fishbane got you sick. And then the things just went, went yeah, up. By we'll the way, Kevin. Uh, we'll blame Kevin. We like Kevin. Uh, but Draft Dr. Phil was, was disappointed. Uh, it was not Kevin. Uh, Draft Dr. Phil was here last week. He was uh, disappointed that he didn't get a chance to uh, speak with you. But hopefully we can make that happen. Mm-hmm sometime in the near future and were you at Hallis Hall this weekend for the for the uh, rookie camp uh, on Friday I was before I hopped up to Detroit to do some USFL stuff for Fox but yeah I got to go on Friday of course you were in uh Detroit of all of all places oh you love Detroit uh but listen we got it but listen we'll we'll talk about that I want to get your I want to get to your thoughts but you know what uh, we got a very special guest joining us right now. He was a seventh-round pick on the Chicago Bears, played his football at Stanford, where he earned a bachelor's degree in product design, a master's degree 
in sociology, and no shock, he was an academic All-American. He is from Snellville, Georgia, home of a handful of NFL players, some Olympians, but more importantly, Abby from The Young and the Restless. Uh, that actress is from Snellville, Georgia. I don't know. Nobody knows this. I knew it. I looked it up today, but it's exciting time. So uh, <laughs> let's waste no time. Please welcome to the show uh, our new favorite bear. Kendall Williamson is joining us here this evening. Kendall, how you living? I'm living great. I'm living great. I can't be uh, just feeling real blessed right now. Very happy with uh, everything that's going on. So, yeah. Well, it's a very exciting time. And I know it was your first weekend with the Chicago Bears. That's in the book. And I, you, every time somebody does this, you know, it's exciting. You get the uniform. You get you get to meet some of the players. What was the biggest surprise for you? Like when you were out there, what shocked you when you were out there at Hallis Hall this weekend? Oh man, honestly, well, I'd say one thing was it was kind of it was kind of the weather was real nice. Like, I mean, I know it's May, <laughs> but I mean, I was expecting it. I don't know what I was expecting to be. <laughs> but the thing is, so uh, I think my flight my flight was on Thursday, and I was looking at the weather on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And the day before, like the high was like forty. I'm like, oh, oh man, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm from I'm from Georgia. I went to college in California. Like I'm not right. used to the cold. I'm gonna have to get adjusted. I'm gonna get some some uh, big jackets and everything like that. <laughs> some long johns so I can so I can get ready for the for those harsh winters. Uh, it, yeah, but yeah, it's not like the Bay Area is super warm. I mean, Stanford, uh, the the Bay Area of Southern Cal- Northern California, excuse me, can get pretty cold. You've had to have experienced. You played at Washington State, like you've you've experienced some cold weather. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It hasn't been as bad. I think I we just got a little lucky. Like, I think probably the coldest play was probably 20s, maybe maybe 20s. Like, I, I know 30s for sure. I remember we played at Utah um, oh, yeah, this Utah. past season. That was that was during uh, – that was late in the season, I think, game 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm pretty sure that was, like, November. And it was, like, in the 30s. Um but but yeah, even Washington State when we played them, it hasn't been that bad. We played them either earlier in the season. I think one time it was actually um, forecasted to snow, and it d- didn't. I was honestly kind of excited because I was like, I get to play in my first snow game. But <laughs> sadly, that didn't that didn't end up happening. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, well, you'll get to do that here. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot. I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm you'll get to practice. You'll get to yeah. have a snow practice here too at some. Point. Oh man. It's going to be the one of those things where you're like, be careful what you wish for. At some point, you're going to be like, why did I want to play in the snow at all? But it, it should be pretty good. Uh, Carmen, before I let you jump in there, I just wanna, I, one other question I just wanted to hit you with is that was there one guy this weekend too, when you guys were out there practicing, was there one player or just somebody who you're just like, oh my God, this is a, this is a, this is a great, I'm, I'm sure everybody's good. They're NFL caliber players, but there was there one guy who like really stood out where you're like, whoa, this guy's the real deal. Did we freeze? Did I freeze? Um, I can Kendall, do you, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I can still hear you. But was there some guy who like kind of surprised you this weekend? Some guy who one of the players who stood out to you? Oh, are you talking about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, um, man, I'm trying to think. Because, like you said, like there's a lot of NFL caliber players. Um, I mean. I feel like I'll see a lot more on the defensive side because just because I play defense and everything like that. Yeah. Um, 
Man, it's hard to point out one guy. I think I think it was a uh, man. I really like to I really like Terrell. I'm I'm probably a little bit biased because we're from the same county. Yeah, uh, actually. Um, so um he got like a crazy pick. Um and and like we were in like cover two and it was just just went up, got the ball. So that was it was honestly beautiful to see, especially as a DB. Like I got mm-hmm. a lot of respect for when DBs make plays because I know how hard it can be for those plays to come, especially playing against like like a high high level of talent. Um right. at, at a place like a rookie minicamp for the Chicago Bears. Um so honestly just seeing that play, I really I really like Terrell. I really like Terrell. Yeah, that was on Friday, wasn't it? Because we saw him. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, was it, was, it was that first practice. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we, we all saw that. We were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I want to back up a little bit, though, because where are you right now? Are you back in Georgia or are you in California? Yeah, I'm back in Georgia right now. You're back in Georgia. Were you there for the draft? Tell me what happened when you get, got the call. Where were you? Who was around you? Uh, was it, And what contact did you have with the Bears prior to that? I want to know what your impressions oh. were right away. Well, honestly, um, things were obviously because I was like the second to last pick. So things were kind of winding down. And so I was I was back here in Snellville um, with my dad. Uh, we were just sitting on the couch watching the watching the rest of the uh, watching the rest of the draft. And I got a call. I was like, what number is this? I was like, no <laughs> way. Right. <laughs> I was like, this must just be some random some random number. And then I get the call and it's uh, Ryan Poles. And he was like, we're about to submit your name. And I was honestly, truthfully, I was in complete shock because I was, it was, I didn't, I didn't expect it. Um, I had some limited contact with the Bears uh, before, uh, not, a, not a whole, whole lot. So that's why I also parts that, like part of the reason I wasn't really expecting it. Um, but man, when it happened, I was like, wow, I was honestly just, it's crazy. Cause um, I mean, I know it's just the beginning. It's not like the work is, honestly just starting but it's kind of crazy it was crazy for me to just see my name up there um because it took a lot of work just to be in a position to potentially get drafted um regardless of where it is um so I was just super grateful super surprised my dad was going crazy um he pulled out he pulled out some champagne um so he was like I gotta take a test right now I was like go ahead do your thing um but yeah, it, the, it was a lot of excitement, a lot of joy, um, and definitely felt feel huge feeling of like just feeling super blessed. And you saw your name on the scroll eventually, where it's like, oh, like that's me, that's the guy. I'm going to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was honestly the craziest thing. I think I got a picture of it. If I if I remember, I know my dad got a picture. I was going to say, why. hold on, now I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure everyone in your family, all your friends, were definitely yeah. taking photos. Up until that point, though, because when you're a seventh round pick, are you already negotiating with other teams to be an undrafted free agent? Like, what was that process like? Were you expecting like we're going to sign here or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how the process is like. Um, like, because I mean, I know I wasn't going first or second day. I knew I could potentially be a late third day to undrafted free agent. I'm just going in. And so kind of during that whole process of like start getting into the middle of the third day, late third day, like you're talking to teams and kind of figuring out um, where you would want to sign if you go undrafted mm-hmm. and everything like that. And then agents and like GMs are talking, kind of like cutting deals and 
and everything like that. So that was kind of what was kind of in the works kind of during that process um, of those of those later rounds, just because there was a lot of uncertainty for me if I would go, um, when I would go. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of just what's happening like behind the scenes during during those like later rounds for those guys who, who were kind of on the bubble. No, for sure. And of course, you know, being a late round pick from Stanford, uh, here come the Richard Sherman comparisons. Uh, do you do you avoid that or do you embrace that? How are you feeling? Oh man, I mean, I embrace it because I mean, honestly, it like it it gives me a lot of hope. Not that I didn't think I could do it before, but it gives me a lot of hope knowing like there is so many greats who have been late round draft picks, undrafted free agents. Like I feel like a lot of it just has to do with the amount of work that you're willing to put in once you get there, where your head is, head's at, where your discipline is at, um, and and everything like that. So I mean, I, I mean, I I could definitely take the comparisons. I'm not one who's gonna stray away from a challenge um, or anything like that. But I'm definitely, I, I'll take I'll take it. I, it it just is definitely it gives me a lot of hope because I'm I know like I can I can make it I can make it regardless of what round the round doesn't matter. Um, undrafted draft it doesn't matter like it's just really about when you show up what are you going to do what can you do for me now which what can you do for me today this week um and just bringing that mentality when i go when i go up there for good i'm interested to know i don't think a lot of people realize how different the preparation process is for individual athletes when they're going to training for the combine training for off season um regardless if you go to the combine or not but how different that is than what your off seasons have previously looked like when you're part of a team regimen and just the different things that you have to stress versus when you're in a program with the rest of your teammates. So what did your preparation look like this off season as soon as you graduated? Um, and mm-hmm. even before that, once your, your season was done in Stanford. Ooh, so honestly, like I got out to, so I was training in Southern California um and got out there honestly as soon as I could so I stayed I went home for Christmas for a couple days uh left before New Year's and then I was literally training like the next day um kind of week to week what it looked like we would have um we would run we would run four times a week so those runs would be focused everything essentially was more focused on what we had to do in those in those pro day combine drills you know so five ten five L cone, 40 yard dash. So during the week, essentially like we do some speed stuff focused on more of the acceleration. So that's like the start, your zero to 10, your 10 to 20. And then we do more top end speed stuff. Um, so that's kind of your 20 to 40. Um, and just getting that sort of technique down. Cause honestly, what I realized is there is a lot of technique to running the 40. It's not just, I'm about to go out there and run. It doesn't work like that. And um I feel like there's a big misconception about what people really run in the 40 uh, because they think they could just go out there and run. I know if I didn't do the training, definitely would have been slower. Um, and, um, but yeah, so we had those. We also had like agility days. So that was more for the 5 for the L cones. So that's just change of direction type of stuff. And then we'd have lifts and those were mainly focused on lower body explosiveness. So that's for things like the vert, the broad, and then we do like upper body stuff. And that was more like um, more upper body endurance because that's what the 225 is. It's like just being able to move that weight for as long as possible, honestly. Um, and then we also had um, position position drill work about, I think it was like three times a week. Um, so that would be just focusing on those pro day 
combine drills. So like for me, that's a lot of um, break, break 45, break 90, hip turns, um, things of that nature. Then we'd also go on the board because a lot of teams, like in some of the interviews you'll have either at the senior games or a combine, um, they'll, they want to put you on the board, see what you know. Do you know your defense? Could I give you my defense? We go through an entire meeting, and then you'll be able to draw up the same defense again. Or can we watch film? Can I give you a play? I'm going to show you some film. I want you to call the play. Tell me exactly what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to respond. Um, so that was kind of a lot of it. A lot of it was physical. A lot of it was mental. And I also think we kind of had a – I kind of had a big transition into knowing how to take care of my body like knowing what my body needs and what it doesn't need. I'm not going to lie, in college, a lot, like I was just beating up my body. I was just working out as much as possible, doing all this stuff and not really. But now, like as a pro, like it's um, it's a big transition because now it's kind of your body's kind of your meal ticket. Avail- the best ability is availability. If you're not available, if you're not taking care of your body um, and doing the right things to make sure that you can be available, then obviously it's a business. You can get cut. Um, so those were definitely – that was kind of how the whole process – uh, when, and then we usually have um, something on Saturdays and then Sundays we would have off. And it started to taper down once we got closer to like Pro Day and Combine um, just because they wanted our bodies to be fresh. So I guess it was kind of like it, kind, it was kind of like we work our way up, like beat your body up, beat your body up, beat your body up. And then it's supposed to kind of like start to go tear down and then go all the way back mm-hmm. up. So like, honestly, I forget how they explained it, but the, the the strength and conditioning guys they they definitely explained it real good. I'm not explaining it as good, but <laughs> but um it was it was supposed to make you peak at the right time essentially. No, it's fascinating all the work that you have to do that goes into it. And now that you've you know you've gone in, you've had a nice weekend with the Chicago Bears, you've gotten a taste of professional football. What is the preparation going to be like? What are you going to be working on over the next couple of weeks till you're back at Hallis Hall? Um, I'd say the biggest thing for me is probably just getting in the playbook um, and continuing to watch film um, and just honestly pick up the game. Uh, a lot of that just comes through repetition. I feel like for the playbook wise, just knowing the sort of responsibilities that I have in every single coverage based off emotions, based off of splits, just everything that kind of goes along with it, like it's essential because especially as a safety, you got to be able to communicate to both sides of the field, the linebackers, the corners, like you got to be in contact with everybody. So knowing your responsibility and also other people's responsibility is key. Um, and I feel like can give you an opportunity, at least a foot in the door of like, when it, at least knowing your responsibility is like the first step to even being able to play in the defense. Um, and then I'd also say just film like the NFL is definitely a different game. I mean, the hashes and numbers is one thing that um, I feel like I didn't realize was so different until I started actually playing on it. <laughs> and the difference yeah. that that makes in the game is is honestly it's it's, it's definitely different. So getting used to that thing that that and um just learning more about like how NFL teams play, how our offense is going to attack you. I know it's a lot more detailed of a game. So honing on those little details and finding a way to um honestly just make the prepare as much as possible as I can before I get up there and continue that preparation once I get up there as well. What were your first impressions of Coach Hoke? Oh, I, love, I, I like Coach Hogue. I like Coach Hogue. And it's interesting because my, so my brother was with the Falcons and he actually got coached by Coach Hogue too. Oh. Um, so he was like, yeah, he hit me up. He was like, oh, he was like, uh, oh, your coach is about to be Coach Hogue. 
I was like, well, yeah, he's coaches corners. I'm the safety, but like we're still all in the same yeah. room. But but yeah, he's he, he's definitely a great guy. I can tell you has a lot of knowledge. Obviously, has a lot of experience and everything like that. Coached a lot of great guys. I know he even coached like Charles Tillman, um, Tim Jennings uh, when he was with the Bears previously. Um, so definitely, I've seen real talent and can and can help elevate people to the next level. Yeah, yeah. what was I that? worked with him in Tampa, so he was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that vibe check like? You mentioned Charles Tillman. He came and he spoke to you guys. Mm-hmm. What was it like, like interacting with players like that? Now, obviously, for Bears fans, we think of Charles Tillman. We think of the peanut punch and everything, and it means a lot to us. But like for you, what was it like uh, being able to uh, share some time with Charles Tillman? Man, I don't even know. It's it's tough to even put into words because to be honest with you, I've watched his highlight tape so many times. Like it's not even it's not even funny. Um, like I watched the interview, he was talking about the peanut punch too. Like, mm-hmm. um, so honestly, it was just a great experience to even like just be in the same room as him because like that's that's defensive back greatness right there. If we're being <laughs> yeah. honest. Um, and he was, he was super, like, he's a real humble guy, you know, and I could just tell that from, from, um, him talking to us and I actually got to talk to him. He gave out his number to the DBs. And so I was actually, actually talked to him today, uh, earlier for a little while. And he's just super, um, he's super genuine, super, super honest and really, um, is looking to provide information to guys to help them. Like exceed at this next level he knows that there's a lot of change he's been through it obviously um so he's just really really helpful but i mean it was it was a great experience even hearing him hearing the things that he has to say and i definitely was taking notes that's so cool yeah it was super cool <laughs> growing up in chicago i mean that was he, he held a camp in my town and so we would always go mm-hmm. and like walk through the fences um and and he was always so genuine and wonderful and it's amazing that he's now he's come and talked to the rookies like two years in a row, I believe. Yeah. And the fact that he's so involved with the organization um, and the individual players just says a lot about what this town means to him and what he means to the town. Mm-hmm. What, what has been your, have you gotten to experience any Chicago yet? No, not really. Like, um, so during minicamp, we were really just around the football facility. Um, so we had like kind of a lot of intro stuff on Thursday, contract signing, um, meetings. And then Friday, we had meetings, practice, meetings, went back, studied the playbook. And then Saturday was meeting, <laughs> practice. Uh, so didn't really get to see too much. We were kind of just in the hotel and in the facility. But when we go back up, um, we already talked, like the player personnel people were talking to us. So we are, sounds like we're going to get to see a little bit of the city, go to some restaurants. I think we may be going to a Cubs game too. So that would oh. be cool. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to, uh, to, to see what, what Chicago's about. I've never been to Chicago. The literally only time I had been to Chicago before was through a connecting flight. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so my first time actually like being in the area, like not in the airport was that, was that time. So it was definitely super cool. All right. Well, here's some words of wisdom for you that you take notes here because number one, never put ketchup on a hot dog. It's a trick question. Don't do that. I know that everybody talks about deep dish Chicago pizza. That's like deep dish Chicago pizza is like Thanksgiving dinner. You do it once a year when relatives come to town. You don't need to worry about that. You love the tavern style pizza with the thin crust. There's a place called Joe's in Wheeling, Wheeling, 
uh, Illinois. It's close to the facility. That's kind of what you want. Um, be you cool to Stacy. Da- be be cool to Stacy Dales. Uh, she's one of the best. So you'll see her uh, in the facility a lot. We, you, uh, I know you said you're going to a Cubs game. You don't have to back the Cubs because you probably grew up a Braves guy, which is fine. But you, you should probably you should probably embrace the White Sox, even though they're terrible. Uh, you should probably embrace them. Um, don't wish that on him, Adam. Don't don't. Listen, don't wish I, you got to need like, that life. All right, he fair enough. <laughs> you can do it one. one I live afternoon. that life. I don't want it for you, Ken. <laughs> one afternoon, he's got to go out. He's got to put on a White Sox jersey, throw out a first pitch. Let's see. So you don't like Cal? Like we hate Cal. We don't like Grace in high school. Oh, Grace in high school is the word. I think that's your rival, or was your rival. Uh, but yeah. how do you feel, how do you feel about the Packers? Are you are you ready to join us in pettiness and not like the Green Bay Packers? I'm very ready. I've always liked I'm, I've always liked the rivalries, um, high school, college, man. So I mean, I mean, it, I feel like it also brings out like a lot of spirit in football, which I love to see. Um, it's a lot of love and also a lot of hate. But I mean, when people come together. Whether it's for some hate or <laughs> with a hate for another team, it's it's always a it's always a good time. So I mean, I'm definitely excited to to join that rivalry for sure. It's a definite bonding experience. And Carmen, did I miss anything else? Any other Chicago high points you should know about? Yeah, uh, no, definitely like thin crust over deep dish. That's the real local thing. So I yeah. really, I, I really stress that. Um, I'm I'm condiment averse, so I don't put anything on my hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> but oh you're my not God. gonna actually get killed for getting for putting ketchup on your hot dog. There's plenty of people that do that. So don't listen to Adam. You're fine. It's honestly, it's honestly super interesting. Y'all say the whole deep dish thing because I feel like all I hear is about is Chicago deep dish pizza. And like people talk about like if you go to Chicago, you gotta get deep dish pizza. So but that's Pequod's in the city. Place. If you if you make it to the city, Pequod's in the city is the best deep dish in the city. Okay. But you again it's a special occasion thing it's so rich and it's just it's not it's very heavy so it's i it's not exactly pizza like pizza is pizza because you can just take a bunch of slices and absentmindedly like that's not the deep dish experience you should do it you know every now and again but we have really good thin crust here and no one knows that but you're gonna know that now I'm We're a helping you out. i'm a big fan of thin crust so i'm gonna oh. i'm gonna definitely enjoy that <laughs> You're going to love it. Whatever town you go to in Chicago, it's amazing. You'll walk into a place. There'll be a, a liquor store that has a pizza, pizza joint attached to it with a bar. And it's like, these are all over the place. You can drive. Like the last time I was in Chicago, that's how I found Joe's was I'm like, I'm just going to drive. I know I will find a place. And that's exactly what happened. And that is, that is the true thing. It's like being a Southern California person. Like you go to universal studios once and then you never have to go again. And that's what it's, <laughs> And that's what it's like with Deep Dish. Definitely try it. Hit all the big ones. Hit all the recommended places. You can try it once. Yeah. Uh, not too many in one week, but you know what I'm saying. Like you go yeah. out there and you, and you try it, and uh, then you're then you're done with it. Then you can move on, and then your relatives can go out and try it when they come to town to come the to one of your. Games. Biggest tip though is the diveier the place looks, the better. That's <laughs> that Chicago is all about dive bars, dive pizza joints, like places mm-hmm. that are just mom and pop places. If you can help it, there's there's too much that the city has to offer to go to chains. So don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and if there's that. and if there's a bowling alley attached, it's even better. Uh, but, <laughs> but listen, Kendall, uh, I know you're very busy. We appreciate you taking some time to join us here tonight. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you get out there and what you can bring to the Bears. I know a lot of people 
I myself included saw you at Stanford. I'm a, I'm a West coast guy. So I watch a lot of the PAC 12 after dark. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited for you to be here. We're excited. Uh, I think it's going to be a great season. I hope that you enjoy it and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yes, sir. I love to. I appreciate y'all having me. Um, thank you so much. And I'll definitely will take the food recommendation. <laughs> All right. I'll check up on you at Hallis uh, when okay. I'm up there this season. So we'll Sounds make good. sure that you're getting the right food. Sounds good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you'll see her. So hopefully, and hopefully I'll be able to go out there some point this summer too. We can meet up and uh, maybe we'll go hit Joe's uh, and have a good time. But enjoy the rest of your evening. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for having me. Bye, I appreciate Joe. it. All right. There he goes. The great Kendall Williamson. I'm excited. I, um, I really like him. The thing that I really like, and we talked about this, you know, his, his scholastic background. Like when you go back and you look at what he did when he was in high school in Georgia, like really just a bright person. And so I, I think that, you know, that you, that's never a bad thing to have, uh, on your football team. That matters so much to the position he plays too. I mean, safety is, in a lot of defenses, actually, the safeties are the ones that can relay the call, and especially in kind of the way old-school football played, I feel like safeties were always the captains of the defense because they're on the back level. They can see everything. And so having that football IQ to be able to read what the offense is presenting and to be able to kind of make checks and do all that kind of stuff, that's only going to help him. So we, we love some smart guys in the, in the defensive backfield. No, hundred percent. Well, yeah, you know, you went to Northwestern too, so you can appreciate smart people. Although the ASU uh, kind I of went to Arizona like, State, uh, also, uh, so I okay. also appreciate hey. not having a ton of. You know, I remember um, as a, I remember I like school actually when Richard Sherman was playing at Stanford. So we we played. Uh, yeah. it was like, yeah. He was, he was, he was, but he, he was, was he was baller back then too. But he was, you know, again, like he was a fifth round pick and a lot of people looked at him and they were just like, that's not going to translate. And, you know, I've started to go through a lot of the scouting reports because I was interested because it just, you know, you're curious as to why some players might or might not fall. And I think that Stanford players always get a little uh, outside of the offensive linemen. It always feels like the rest of them always get like a little bit of a, a bias towards them, and they really have to go I out there. Pac twelve in general, That's like true. people don't take the Pac twelve seriously, and I mean, yeah, it's just I don't know, but yeah, you're right, alignment, and then obviously quarterback. But yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I, really, it's interesting though. Yeah, it's really interesting to know though that like, or to not think that you would try and pull some like safeties. I mean, because of the fact that. Obviously, these guys have a very high-level IQ in general, not to mention football IQ. David Shaw also has been there forever and yes. has instilled, like, he's he's developed these guys into professionals on and off the field, despite the fact that they play in the Pac-12. So I just, I think that there should be more. Richard Sherman probably opened a lot of eyes to Stanford. And I yeah. Continue. And like you said, when he was playing in college, I was shocked that he lasted all the way to the fifth round. And uh, we saw what happened a five-time, a five-time All-America. He was three-time first-team All All-America, All-Pro. Um, five-time five-time All-America would be pretty impressive. But he was a five-time All-Pro, three first-teamers, two second-teamers. So we'll see yeah. what uh, what Kendall's got up. And I'm 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 excited about him. And I've I've heard a lot of buzz building with him. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses as the offseason moves along. But speaking of our draft picks, we're going to be joined right now by one of the top NFL draft analysts in the business. You can find him on Twitter at Draft Vogel. He has been on the Sick Network before, and we wanted to have him in here, and uh, we hope he's going to say nice things about the Bears. No, I'm just kidding. He can say whatever he wants, but I believe he's in. Is he here? Is is John with us? 
John, yes, what's... I'm here. John. What hat are you wearing? What hat are you wearing? Reese's from the Senior Bowl directly. Oh, from the man. Senior Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was up there. Got Do you know how hard me. it is to go down to the Senior Bowl when you're allergic to peanut butter? Like, oh, that's me. Okay. I'm allergic to peanut butter. And, like, there's Reese's everywhere. Like, they even hang it outside, like, your door. If you're probably like, – like, when I was with yeah, the, the Bucks, I would go. And yeah. for every team personnel, they, like, hang it outside your door every day. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with all of these. I can't eat <laughs> Well, the nice thing too is when you pick up your credential, they give you a nice little gift bag as well. And oh. then you get up in the press box, and that's where I got the hat. The hats, they the hats all sitting out there with all the game day, you know, the books and the, and then you know, Reese's, <laughs> they are everywhere. Um, so. I do still have a notebook that's like the leather, um, like football material, and it's got the Reese's logo, and I still use that every time I go to the Senior Bowl. I go, I, I make sure to bring that because it's just like. It's yeah, you have to. It's, it's tradition. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. Am I, am I, I like the peanut butter cups, but I do not like Reese's pieces. It's just, I don't no, know. I, I'm right there with you because it's like, it's like an M&M, but it's not yes. an M&M. And it's just, it's, it's not shocking. the same. Yeah. Yes. It's not the same. You're right. Well, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Wait, it's no. weird. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's right. Poor Carmen. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I'm sure like everybody, everybody's got to harangue you too. Like, how do you not like you? Like, I didn't choose to be allergic. I'm just allergic. <laughs> that, literally, people are like offering me Reese's, and I'm like, no, no, no. They're like, oh, come on. I'm, I might die. Like, I can't. I can't have it. <laughs> Unless I want to be down for the count for the rest of the, the week. I'm here. But yeah, Absolutely. they're they're very no. forceful. The Reese's people, and oh. everybody has an opinion on if you should take one or not. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's not even that I'm watching my figure. It's that I well, literally can't. I I think Nag uh, Jim Nagy pointed this out this week on Twitter. He said that, you know, because uh, one of the players described the bowl. He said the Reese's Bowl. He said this is how effective the branding has been. This is not yeah. the Senior Bowl anymore. It's the Reese's Bowl. It's the Reese's, Reese's Bowl. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. right. That's a great call. That is absolutely mm -hmm. the truth. But you were down there for it. Obviously, you've been doing a lot of great work breaking down the draft over the last couple of weeks. I'll just get to it. What did you think of the Bears draft? Uh, obviously, the homers over – not Carmen. Carmen probably hated it. But the homers like me, I'm joking, Carmen. Uh, <laughs> I was very impressed with what Ryan Poles was was uh, able to do. What is your general sense of uh, what the Bears did? Oh, no, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Adam, and it's because you got a lot of difference makers in later rounds. You know, and that's where the, the bulk of your team is built is after, you know, the day, day two. And I think uh, when you look at Roshan Johnson, the first mm -hmm. pick of the fourth round that the Brown, that the Bears took, like that's a starting running back this year. I don't think a lot of people realize how good Roshan Johnson was because he's behind B. Sean Robinson his entire career at Texas. Uh, but Roshan is a starter. I like him above, you know, Deonta Foreman and Khalil Herbert because I think he's a better overall running back. He's a better receiver out of the backfield. Uh, so I think that's a really great pick that I look at and go, wow. And then uh, Noah Sewell will be a good role player. That was a nice pick in the fifth round. Um, Sewell is kind of that weird sort of like tweener where you're not sure if he's an inside linebacker or if he's an edge rusher because he really struggled. He didn't really do both very well because he's big right so he's big mm -hmm. like an edge rusher but he played middle linebacker in at college so there might be a little bit of a learning curve there but uh i think you're really excited about his potential and then you know honestly i'm not just trying to say it because you just had him on the show and i was listening to him but kendall williamson that's a seventh round pick that's a guy that's going to make the he's going to be on the 53 man roster you know because mm -hmm. you need strong safety depth 
and that's him. And I think he's better than anybody outside of Brisker, Jaquan Brisker on that's on the roster. So anytime that you're, we're talking about three or four impact players right away that are on that you're picking in day three, it's a great draft. And we didn't, I didn't even touch on, you know, who they started off with. So I think it's important too to note that a lot of those guys on day three were guys that they can use in special teams. Like Kendall is a great example of a guy that can be a contributor, you know, in that safety room as depth. But then also, I mean, that's a position that can play special teams. Whereas maybe in the top part of the draft, you didn't get guys with between the defensive tackles and obviously Darnell Wright. Like those guys aren't doubling on special teams uh, often. And especially not Darnell Wright, but maybe some of those D tackles can get it on the field goal blocking unit yeah, and all that yeah, kind of and, stuff. And but Terrell Smith too, yeah. right? Terrell Smith out of Minnesota. Right. That's kind of one of those underrated cornerbacks that you didn't see a lot of draft people talking about at all. Um, but like his tape is he has some really special moments that he had too. And you know, the big the Big Ten is the second best conference. You know, sorry guys if I'm offending anybody. Second best conference no, in college I don't football. Think so you Nobody's know, uh, thinking that the Big Ten is coming for the SEC's crown. <laughs> well, no, I think I think that the the he's apologizing because we're talking up the Pac-12. Well, that too, but you know it's <laughs> well, very self-aware. But no, but very so self-aware. I think that the Big Ten and the SEC is very close now in terms of overall from top to bottom depth. I mean, the Big Ten's pulling pretty close in draft picks every year. I think this year they were within ten. Um, mm-hmm. So it's getting they're they're bridging that gap. They got the great TV contract right now too. That's really helping them. But in terms of like the receivers that come out of that that conference overall that Terrell Smith had to cover, think about it. Ohio mm-hmm. State, yeah. Penn State keeps yeah. putting out guys, you know. And then even yeah. when you go over to that side, you know, there's Jordan, some really good dudes. Jordan Addison was another one. Oh wait, they haven't joined the Pac-12 yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Almost. Almost. Not that. Almost. But uh, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's always had some really sneaky guys yeah. that make NFL rosters as well. You know, so he's got experience working against a lot of NFL people, and he did so pretty well. So I think that's why he kind of snuck in there at the fifth round. Um, and that's another guy's special teams as well. So, yeah, I thought I thought overall I like this class a lot. Um, I'm not the type of person that's going to sit here and, and go, you know, oh, this is an F grade right after the draft. Like right. They failed this draft yeah. because I'm trying to see what they're trying to. That's why you're never going to make it on the Internet. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Bears have already failed. GM's questioning Ryan Poles and why he even has it. Like those are the headlines that come out, uh, which seem ridiculous. And I think a, a part of it is because, you know, obviously they they passed on Jalen Carter. And Carmen and I have been sitting here for weeks, months. We said, if Jalen Carter does not get drafted by the Lions and Seahawks, he's not getting drafted by the Bears because there'll be too many red flags. What did you make of that? What did you make of the move? Did you think the Bears did the right thing? Was it the the right move to pass on Jalen Carter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, They got depth down there right now, you know, and then to go into the second round, you take, you know, um, Gervin Dexter out of Florida. Like he's a heck of a defensive tackle too. Um, Dexter was kind of one of those guys that he plays the three tech, but he can play five as well. And, you know, he's got the body type that he can kind of do both. He's going to be better as a three because I think he's right around 300 pounds. So you're going to put him there. You're going to put him inside basically exactly what you would have done with Jalen Carter anyways. Now you're not getting that talent, but, you know, Dexter, you know, kept his nose clean off the field. So you've got that, right? Um, 
the thing with with him as well uh, is you're talking about length. Like that's something that he has that Carter doesn't. So, you know, everybody's running defensive rotations anyways on the fronts. You're going to go eight men deep if you can on your defensive line. And the reason that is is because you're going to keep, you know, the offensive line uh, tired and you're staying fresh. That's kind of the, the overall thought. The Eagles did that in 2017 and won a Super Bowl. And that was everybody kind of fell into that trend. So, you know, getting guys like him and then Zach Pickens as well in the third round, these are rotational guys. You're going to be able to do fine with that. Carter wasn't going to play anything more than a rotation anyways. Um, so I thought that was a good move. You move back one spot, you pick up an extra draft pick for it, and then you go get the guy you're going to take anyways. Like, hell, heck yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a big thing too with Jalen Carter having to be a leader then if he was to come to the Bears. That three tech spot is supposed to be a guy that is going to galvanize the defense. And this isn't an established group yet. They don't have established veterans. They don't have established leadership because they're so young. And I don't think that that was a situation that was going to get the most out of Jalen Carter because he is somebody that needs to be shown the way a little bit of how to be a pro, how to work, how to be a teammate. And, I mean, the Eagles just made so much sense. I thought Detroit made a lot of sense, too, because they've got a really good team, established culture right now. But the Eagles made so much sense just because of the fact the veterans on that defensive line alone, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, not to mention you've got half of Jalen's teammates from Georgia that are on that team now (laughs) to, like, welcome him to the NFL. So I just think that was the perfect spot for him. And I wanted to stress to Bears fans, like, Yes, he's a jet like his talent is insane, but I don't think that the Bears in their current iteration would have gotten what he is capable of out of him, unfortunately. So stick with the rotation. You've got Justin Jones as kind of the veteran in, in the inside there now. And Alan Williams talked to us about that on Friday, last Friday. Uh, in addition to Javon Dexter, Zach Pickens kind of getting those guys like you said, on a rotation um, that can keep them fresh and make them, you know, play 25 30 snaps a game each and it it works no and this is a really great point that you just made too carmen because when uh when this past year there were the leadership concerns that kind of came out about carter you know there there are a lot of people that were stressing that i think todd mcshay was probably number one on top of that but now the they asked him about that they talked to him about that in interviews and stuff to Jalen about the leadership role that he had to take and all that and he specifically talked about Jordan Davis and how mm-hmm. he was kind of expected to take over that mantle and how he was struggling with it this was an interview that was back in April of last year you know so it's a that's an excellent point that you bring up because yeah that is the three tech is kind of the leader of that group normally you know the edge rushers they're the havoc guys they're the guys that are going to go after right. the quarterback you want them to be fast. You really want them to just beat that tackle on the outside. But the, if you're a three tech and you're going to run a shift, which you're going to see Chicago probably do that a lot this year, right? Like, you know, pre-snap shift. That's called by the three tech on normal because mm-hmm. he's looking at how, you know, he's figuring out what the, the blocking assignment is going to be and what they're going to do with their scheme coming down, how they're going to take on. And if they need to shift, that's his, that's his responsibility to call it, you know? So, I'm just I'm stressing that's a really great point that you brought up on a whole nother level uh, that people don't talk about enough. I don't think because that was a huge part of his uh, drop this year was just the fact that he's just more of a follower than a leader. That's not a bad thing. It's just when you need that role, you need that person in that role. He's just not that fit for it. And I think really Javon Dexter is one of those guys, too, that 
he because of the scheme that he was in at Florida, where he was a more of a two gap guy, and he had to sit back and read before he could react, which is, I think why you saw on tape he was a little bit slower, um, or you didn't really see the get off that he's capable of. But with Chicago in that three tech spot, you're not necess- you're not responsible for two gaps. You're responsible for one, and you're responsible for getting penetration in the pocket. And the fact that he has that experience, though, having to read the offense is going to probably, I imagine, that was a big reason why the Bears kind of targeted him in the second round. Yeah, and his his explosion is ridiculous. Like, if, if you see this guy's thighs, yeah, can, like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Let him just go. Oh, he's going to be great. That's what we – yeah, and in, in his uh, measurables, his broad jump and his thing, like, that is one of the things that um, – uh, oh God, like, why can't I'm spacing on the coach's name, but one of the coaches was talking about that. Like that is an important measurable is the broad jump and the explosion. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that stood out about Dexter, but Sammy, I did see, was somebody trying to butt in? Do we have a question that we needed to get in there? If not, I can Oh. Whoa. Okay. Here we go. Uh, how does everybody feel? Especially Carmen. Oh yeah. This is, this is one of Carmen's, this is one of her mantras. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, it appears, is going to be moving to left tackle. How do we feel about that as a group? How do we how do we feel about this, Carmen? Why don't we start with you? <laughs> um, listen, Tevin, given his prior experience, he was he did play left tackle, kicking inside at guard is a little bit. He has to read a little bit more, but he has the experience now. It's a little bit more of a cerebral position because you're closer to the ball, um, and you have to react quicker and all that other stuff, but. I do think because he's had the experience on the left side before, it's not as hard. I don't know if it's inevitable though. I, this is that entire interior of the, of the bears offensive line is up for interpretation at this point. And Ryan Poles has done a really good job of there's like four main guys that are going to be competing for those three spots. And he wanted to create competition on the interior and see where each guy fits naturally and getting the most out of each guy and who's the best for each position. So, I mean, between Tevin and Nate Davis and Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick, um, I center is definitely between Lucas and Cody. Um, but I mean, between Nate and Tevin, they're, they're going to figure out what position is best for each of them. So I'm okay with it. I'd let if, if if you figure out that that is his natural spot, I just just play a guy with his dominant on his dominant side at his natural position if you at all can. Because why make muscle memory work against you? Why it doesn't make any sense? Hey, what do you think, John? When you move a guy like Tevin Jenkins, when he was coming out, you know he was a thought to be. I think to some people was thought to be a tackle last year. He was a standout at guard. Do you think this could be a a a good move for the Chicago Bears. So I remember when he came out of it was Oklahoma State. Yes. Um, I remember thinking I was watching him against it was that Oklahoma game that really stuck in my mind in 2020, I think, right? 20 years drafted. Yes, so 2020, the COVID year. Uh, he really struggled at, at tackle in that game. And it was the quickness, right? The lateral quickness and just being able to hold up. Overall, with you know, like you were like Carmen was talking about with the read and 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 looking at, uh, you know, am I am I supposed to over am I supposed to set here? Am I trying to take this guy to the edge? Well, however you want to look at it, right? But mm-hmm. I always thought he was a guard. 
You know, I really thought that he was a guard, and I wasn't surprised that he had a really good year at left guard. So we're talking about him moving potentially to left tackle, right? That's the no. He's going to go to left. No, he'd go no, to left guard. guard. Okay, so guard. when you Braxton, draft, when you Braxton, draft a guard, Braxton Jones is left tackle. Right, uh, right. And I like Braxton. I liked him. I remember him. So we're the we're the we're the we're the Braxton Jones show of record. No, it's the <laughs> Braxton Jones is our left tackle show of record. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I hope that he. He kind of, I don't know, he telegraphs what he's going to do. And if, yeah. if so, I, I could take Ryan Poles at his word. No, and but. that's, but the thing is, when you have, um, I learned this from Mark Gorsak, who's face of the 40, right? Combine, 40 mm. yard dash guy. He, he always told me that you always have to, you always play a guard, guy where he played in college. And if you have to move yeah. him, you move him after you try him there. And so they tried him there, I think, right? Yeah. And so, it's time to move him inside and he's going to be really, he's going to be fine there because, you know, guard is much more of a, it's much more of a power position. You know, mm -hmm. you don't need to be as quick. You don't need to have, you know, the, the speed to beat somebody to the outside. As long as you can hold up with your anchor, you're fine. Um, and I thought that was his strength, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, his career has he's been holding anchor. up with his anchor, right. And getting into his, yeah, he's got a good anchor. He's got a really good bend too, to him. You know, he yeah. can take some power. He can take a, you know, a stiff arm up high and still maintain his leverage. Because uh, he's got the length to do that as well, so I, I think that it's going to work out fine. If he's going to guard, I'm all for it, like definitely. Um, and yeah, I love Braxton at Southern Utah. Like his his tape there, I know it was Southern Utah and it's FCS, but that he was he was a lot of fun to watch, and obviously had a really good off season leading into the draft last year. Yeah, you know, and it made a lot of sense. He started so he started every game at left tackle, and it sat, it felt like going through the draft process, everybody was, everybody was picking left tackles for the bears, like mocking left tackles to the bears or even Peter Skaronsky, another guard, which we don't need. Um, sorry. <laughs> right. Not a guard. I agree. Not a guard. Okay. Well, you know what? I love it. Let's I'm so excited for him to be Nashville's like, or Tennessee's left tackle <laughs> and yeah, just what show you... everybody up. Let's, so let's, let's ask that. Okay. You saw Skaronsky. Um, do you think that he translates as a guard or a tackle in the NFL? See, I, I saw him as a guard. I'll be honest. I saw him as a guard. And it's because, you know, typically with that size, and I think that he had the, the length issues as well, uh, you saw it kind of show up sometimes, especially when he played Lucas Van Ness. And Lucas mm -hmm. Van Ness right now, yeah, I know he was a first-round pick. Um, he's a power guy right now. He's strictly – you watch him, he, has, he does not know how to use his hands at all. He is just strict – I'm coming in speed to power, everything that I've got, and I'm going to push you over. And Skronsky didn't have the length to hold up against that. So that concerned me a little bit, you know, because he was trying to deal with speed and the outside read like that. Now, again, you're going to try him at tackle first because that's what he played. You're going to try him yeah. to tackle. Titans need a tackle. Taylor Lewan's obviously gone now. That's going to be a fun lawsuit um, to get into once that <laughs> all comes out. But <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, so you've got um, – you're going to play him at tackle, but I think he's initially going to move to guard. And honestly, I like him at guard. You know, if he has a little bit of interior help, I think that this is a guy – this is a guy who could be a Pro Bowl left guard several times over. Uh, he's got a ton of potential at that position. I just don't think he's going to hold up a tackle. So we think – we all agree he's going to be a Pro Bowler. <laughs> we just don't know where. <laughs> we don't know where. It'll be – but again, he's going to get an opportunity to go out and prove us wrong, and uh, which is fine. I welcome that. And, and listen, Carmen, I will tell you this right now. If I'm wrong, 
I will be happy yeah. to admit it. And you can victory lap me for the rest well, of time. And you well. will. And that and it's fair and it should be. Uh, but one of the players I was going to get to, uh, I wanted to ask you about, we settled on Darnell Wright as our, who was presumed to be our right tackle. Yes. Brian Baldinger, un, unprompted before the draft. This is before the draft. He was, we were talking about guys. That's, I, I think I was actually putting together my own mock draft for NFL.com. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out like after Paris Johnson Jr., like who is the next guy? And Baldy was like, dude, he's like, and, and he, he said Darnell Wright was his, was his player. He's like, I actually like him better. And I think that he's probably going to be the best pro. What was your read on Darnell Wright coming into the draft? And what did you think about that pick for the Bears? Yeah, so the first thing I do want to talk about a little bit is tackle in general. And mm -hmm. I think it's because when you kind of look at the recent trends in the last five years of tackles, everybody kind of has a specific type that they mm -hmm. like. So everyone's kind of influenced by that. Because like my number one tackle was Broderick Jones. I loved Broderick mm -hmm. Jones out of Georgia. But that's because I like that power. I like that size, right? Like that's just my idea of a prototypical tackle is Broderick Jones. But everybody kind of has a different look at it. And you can see tackles kind of fitting based on their size their style however they play that position um so like him going to pittsburgh was great but to get back on darnell right i'm a little biased because i bleed orange um <laughs> i'm a huge i'm a lifelong tennessee fan so yeah. you know uh i thought that he was good i didn't think he was that good um <laughs> uh, because we you know we suffered through a couple years with him i say we mm -hmm. as tennessee fans uh he struggled his first year he played left tackle i think no, no, no. It, was, it was it was right tackle. He struggled. Then they moved him to left, and he struggled. And then they moved him back to right, and he was fine. And this year, I mean, he looked awesome. Uh, cleaned up a lot of the a lot of his technique, the different things that he was doing. He's got a lot of power. He got a little bit lighter as well, and I think that was just so that he could you know have the speed to hold up on the outside. Um, and that game against Alabama, he was awesome. I mean, that was the game that if anybody looks at it and goes, okay, this is who Darnell Wright is and who he can be, that's the game that you're going to see it because he shut down Will Anderson Jr. And he, mm -hmm. Will Anderson Jr. was a non-factor in that game, and that's the only game I can think of Will Anderson Jr. disappearing like that. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's all positive, right? Now, the other thing, too, is uh, I think that the adjustment that he had, you know, he was growing into right tackle. They move him to left. And then they bring in this new offense, which is super high paced. You're running, you know, you're pulling snaps like 20 seconds apart of each other and you're getting eight, nine plays into a drive. And the offensive line coach is sitting there going, kill the drive, field goal, punt. I don't care. Kill it. Like, cause his offensive line can't keep up with it. Um, but they had another year in that system. And so I think that his stamina is going to be an advantage for him as well, because he held up, they were able to keep those drives going. Whereas the first year they were cutting them off. Um, I like the pick. I think that I know that, you know, it obviously would have been really, you know, if, if Paris Johnson Jr. had been able to fall, that would have been a great pairing to think about, right? Because Ohio State, Justin Fields, Paris Johnson Jr., blah, blah, blah. Okay, it would have been cool. But what you really need to do is you need to shore up that right side because if Justin gets flushed out of the pocket, where's Justin going? Right side. Okay, mm -hmm. so if he's going on the right side and you got a guy that's already worked with a mobile quarterback – and Hendon Hooker, who liked to get flushed out mm -hmm. to the right. He knows how to play that. He knows how to do that, and he's going to help open up stuff for Justin. So I like that. Uh, he's a smash-mouth runner, you like run blocker. I like that too. Mm -hmm. um, he's got the strength to hold up. 
So I think that the Bears got it. I wasn't. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, once you took in all those factors, I just you know, I remember those first couple of years, and I just hoped that twenty three was not a or twenty two is not an outlier season. I think too, there's a lot of intangibles that go along with Darnell Wright, given all of the uncertainty and instability at Tennessee when he was there. I mean, he talked about with us um, not even having a coach in the building in the off season to be able to work with. And so like he has this self-starter mentality. He's the one that's getting himself up to go to the weight room. He's, he has all of that kind of motivation built in. And that is something that you need out of those positions, out of the offensive line in general is to have kind of that, work ethic that drive and just the self-starter type of mentality. And I think he has that and to be able to adjust and be adaptable to systems. I mean, that's going to, the game is so different in college, right? Between college and the NFL. I mean, he also talked about not really ever being in a huddle. It was only dead ball situations and special occasions. Yep. So you have to be adaptable because you have to learn an entirely different way to play the game at the NFL level. And I just think that he proved that over and over again, even in college, where he was just thrust into situations that he was not prepared for, quite honestly. So I think the fact that you saw the maturation as he continued his collegiate career, despite all of that, is another thing that drew the Bears to him. And I mean, this, this was their guy from the jump also. They had the private workout with him. Ryan Poles put him through the ringer. And Darnell also talked to us about that's when I knew, though, that I was never going to give up. I was never going to quit on anything. If I can go get through this workout with an NFL offensive line coach, a GM breathing down my back, you know, on, a, on not neutral territory or on kind of unfamiliar territory, then, all right, I, I can do this. And that was a huge vote of confidence in himself, too. And I just – he was so much fun also to talk to, and he was such a great guy, and he – also, I think you'll appreciate this. He is so close to Trey Smith, the now Super Bowl champion Trey Smith from the yes. Kansas City Chiefs, who also went yes. to Tennessee. And they like are in constant contact. He said he called Trey like a mentor essentially to the him. He's going to be training with him this off season. And I'm just like, what? What better guy to learn from? I love Trey. Trey's awesome. No, Trey uh, was a first round talent. Honestly, that had that injury that year and the chiefs got an absolute steal with him. Steal. Couldn't believe they got that in that deep in that draft. That was awesome. No, it's a really good pick for them. And so I, I hope that it works out. And again, like, as you said, you hope that last season, not an outlier, but I, I think that players improve, you know, and I, I think that, that, you know, we've talked about this. Carmen and I talk about this a lot. Like we trust Ryan poles when he's evaluating offensive line he has a very specific type which is why braxton jones was able to work last season and so we're hopeful for darnell Wright. one other guy i wanted to ask you about though is tyler scott uh the fourth round pick out of cincinnati starting to get a lot of buzz and even peyton manning your guy i'm assuming uh was talking about him recently i i think that as much as we love roshan johnson and i'm with you because as a fantasy dork and i was i'm panicking now because my fantasy uh, a dynasty league that I'm in is drafting right now. And uh, I have the number one pick. So I got Bijan Robinson, but I'm hoping I get Roshan Johnson. Uh, but what about Tyler Scott? How, what kind of impact can he make for the bears this season? Cause I think he pushes some of those guys. Yeah. So the interesting thing about Scott is obviously we have the size issue, right? And size is kind of something at that wide receiver position. That's getting to be a big problem. He's right there at five, eight, 175. 
Um, so you're pretty much looking at him as somebody who's probably going to be limited exclusively as a small slot, which mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of teams that are going to maintain that role in their offense because it's a good little matchup change, right? When you, especially when you've got a big slot guy, you got Chase Claypool in there for a while, and then you right, and then you switch it up. You come back with the speed, the quickness, which that's where Scott's going to be really great. Is short area quickness. I think he's got really good long speed. That's you know, it's a little bit tougher to use that at that size, but uh, the short area quickness is where he's going to be great. The little whip routes underneath, you know, uh, in and outs, you know, out and ins. However, however you run it the way that you design this offense and Justin's going to be able to use them as well. Um, the, the, the question I think with the production is limited, I think, because there's not a lot of roles where you can use a small slot exclusively, right. And, and get mm-hmm. that production. So I'm thinking maybe 20 catches this year would be my guess on him. If he put, that's assuming that he plays most of the year. Um, and then you, that size too, you have the durability issues. So the one thing yeah. that he does have to his advantage, he played on the boundary as well at, at Cincinnati and it actually looked pretty good, especially against Arkansas. He had a few plays where it was like, oh, dang, this guy could play, right? And that's yeah. against the SEC. Um, but – and that's a, it was a good defense too. They still had – they were still healthy at that point. That was the first game of the year. Um, but I, I think that it's just – it's hard to project a guy like that forward with the way that the league has shifted, with the way that it is evolving. And uh, the small slot is essentially dying in front of our very eyes because defenses have adjusted to it. You know, you can thank uh, Bill Belichick for that. You know, he did a great job beating his own trick, you know? Yeah. But um, that's <laughs> I, I hope I hope that he can find a role outside of the small slot. And that would, that's how he'll be able to stick. I just don't know if that happens. I think that's key, too. I mean, they were trying him on Friday when I was at Bears minicamp uh, in, in the slot. And that was something Tyler talked to us about. And he was like, yeah, I haven't really done that. And again, at that size, it's hard to hold up, especially when, I mean, look at Detroit even. Detroit drafted Brian Branch. So you get a safety that's going to play nickel corner, and he's going to be lining up against guys like that. I mean, was, that's a big guy that is going to just be able to kind of out physical, like out physical uh, any sort of small slot receiver, which is why I think Chase Claypool will come in so much handy. But I kind of am reminded of when I was with the Bucks, like Scotty, a Scotty Miller type who mm-hmm. was more of a boundary guy, more of a deep threat guy because he was fast. Um, didn't get a ton of work, ton of production, but he was good for a couple of really big kind of off the wall catches Playoffs, uh, if I remember moments. correctly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Green Bay <laughs> yeah, at Lambeau, I remember that. The <laughs> NFC Championship. Not that I remember that perfectly right before the half. But, I mean, you can – that's kind of – you can use them in those gadget plays and those deep threat plays to kind of blow the top off of a defense. And I think that Tyler is maybe better suited for something like that, just given the fact that he is – it was kind of jarring how small he was when we were talking to him. I was like, ah, I'm taller than you in my heels. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it's not I'm, just I'm, I'm it's not just sure. him though it's it's like you got darnell mooney on that roster too and mooney's a little bit bigger right. and he can basically do the same exact thing you know so that's right. that's my question coming into it is can he push mooney to get some playing time do they think that they'll have something with scott on the field that they can't get with mooney i hope so because like like adam kind of mentioned a little bit earlier i want these guys to prove me wrong 
if I've got criticisms of them. That's my it's just my job to have the criticisms and to point these things out because I'm an analyst. But mm -hmm. I want them to prove me wrong. I love these guys proving, you know, me, Todd McShay, all these other guys out there. I love seeing them get proven wrong because it's it's part of what makes this whole thing beautiful. We're all trying to become better as individuals, as players, as analysts. That's what it's all about. It is fun when you yeah, look he, back. He, he returned too, by the way. I just want to point that out. He was, was, that? He was used as he was used as a returner, also in Rick Manning. Yeah, and so, I think they've I got him projected as a kick returner. Yeah, pushing yeah. for Velas Jones. Yeah, and and oh. that's cool. You know, that's that. I mean, you know, a lot of people are talking about this because obviously, I've uh, struck up a, a kinship with with Velas Jones, and people are like, well. You got to pick one of the, I'm like, no, I want everybody to do well. I want everybody to push everybody and, and have competition and, and for it to be like, I, I would rather have too many guys than not enough because the bears have had not enough guys for a long time. <laughs> uh, but I do actually, John, do you, have, do you mind taking a couple of questions? We've had some people who want to ask a couple of questions if that's Yeah, cool. of course. Yeah. I've got all the time if, in the world, if, man. If you don't mind, and Carmen, are you cool to stick around too? Are we keeping you? Yeah. I've got about five, 10 more minutes. Okay. Uh, yeah, we won't be long, but I want to get a couple of questions in for the crowd because everybody's been uh, been awesome tonight. By the way, if you're watching the show and you've been enjoying it, comment using the word sick and uh, we would appreciate it. But here's a question. Should the Bears have drafted a center? Uh, if you're Ryan Poles, would you have gone after JMS or Mazzy Smith? Uh, Smith being a defensive tackle. But yeah, mm -hmm. were there some like obviously they didn't draft an edge. They didn't draft a center. And I think those are two things that stand out to people. Was that a mistake? Uh, not necessarily. You know, we talked about Cody Whitehair being there. Um, you said that the battle would come down between him and, and Lucas, right? But Doug Kramer's mm -hmm. on that roster too. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Doug can play. Doug's a good Doug was a lot of fun at Illinois, right? But um yeah. So I, I don't think it was necessarily a mistake, you know, unless you're just trying to build a lot of depth, especially that early in the draft. I know that uh Schmitz, I think he was available in the second round. Yeah, when the Bears yeah, pick early, early. a lot of yeah. a lot of people assume that's where they were going. Yeah, and and I loved him. I thought he was the best center in the class. You know, but mm -hmm. I know yeah. there were other. I think there was somebody else's picked in front of him, but I thought he was the best one. Now I don't think necessarily. And then uh, you know, Mozzie Smith too, like great player. Obviously, yeah. uh, would he work out in Chicago? I don't know. You know, I just I don't know if he'd be able to 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 make it on the field very often in Chicago. No offense to anybody. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, like, but he, he, I thought he would have worked better in Dallas, for instance. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's the whole reason Dallas took him was to yeah. stop, you know, the Jalen Hurts quarterback sneak, basically, is the, is yeah. the, the thought process <laughs> yeah. behind it. So now he's going to work out better there, uh, where he can kind of play that zero one. And, uh, yeah, I think that he'll be fine there. I don't think it was a mistake at all. I like what they did. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, where would you have taken Mozzie Smith? Mozzie Smith went at the back of the first round, so yeah. you didn't have a pick you're, at that point. Like, gonna, I, I'm not taking Mozzie Smith in. over Darnell Wright. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to trade back in and give up some of the guys that you got in the second round. Where I mean, day two, you got two defensive tackles. So, like, yeah. I just it doesn't the math doesn't math yeah. right and there. Pickens, sure. Pickens, and Dexter are both going to be very solid rotational guys, anyways. You know, and, yeah. Smith was a guy, I think, in Michigan that played 400 snaps, 450 snaps last year. If I'm, yeah. if mm -hmm. that sounds right to me, I think that's right. So, uh, you know, again, we're just talking about a rotational guy. You know, we're not talking about a guy that you know you're going to play six, seven hundred snaps in a single season. You're talking about a guy that's going to rotate. And if you, you know, Darnell Wright's going to be on the field 100 percent of the time. Yeah. Irvin Dexter is going to play 450 mm -hmm. snaps this year. 
Uh, Pickens is probably going to play 350. I mean, yeah, don't give up that depth. Don't give up the back end of the draft to go get to get back in the first round for a defensive tackle or a center, in right. my opinion. Yeah, and you also too you you have to understand like with the veteran like with a a young offensive line, the fact that you're going to go with a veteran center, three guys that we just talked about right now who can play center on this team. Additionally, on the defensive side of the football, you got a guy like Dominique Robinson who last year was drafted, showed some flashes. But you hope that he's going to continue to pro- progress and learn the position, yep. and so like you guys can get better from yeah, here. Marcus Walker too, yeah, yeah, you I know, mean, like there's a and, there's uh, there's a ton of depth here. We we didn't even talk about you know the seventh round pick last year out of uh, Southern, Jatir Carter, like that guy can play too, you know, and and you picked up Josh Lug as a free agent. Um, Lorenz Metz can play too in Cincinnati, another Cincinnati. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Like you know, Lug I liked a lot. He was at Notre Dame. Um, I didn't think he would get drafted, but I thought that's a good depth piece that wrote uh, developmental. Yeah, no, you did fine. You know, I think that I don't think that there was a need to draft a center. I don't think there was a need to draft a defensive tackle. I just I don't outside of the guys that you took, you know, in day two. I think that's fine right there. I think think with center too. No, go ahead. No, please. I think with center too. We've I've talked about this. We've talked about this. When you have a young quarterback who's still developing it's beneficial to have a center that's a veteran that knows what he's looking at, the checks that he needs to make to take as much work off of that quarterback's plate so that Justin can just focus on being Justin and that center knows exactly what he's looking for and can call the rest of the line at this point. And I just think that helps out a young guy so much more. And then like, you know, like the jets, they took, I think Tippman, Mm-hmm. And for like as a center, and I'm like, that's perfect because Aaron Rodgers already knows what, what he's looking at. There's nothing Aaron Rodgers hasn't seen in this league. So he doesn't and need his center to be calling stuff out for him or to be IDing, you know, whoever's coming in the rush and all that other stuff. So I just think for the Bears, I always talked about wanting a veteran center in front of Justin Fields because I wanted them to be able to take off as much from Justin Fields' plate as possible. And that's and why not just, yeah, not just that too. It's it's also having consistency there. We talk about having a consistency at a coach, but consistency at center is important too. Yeah. It's very true. And it's why they went after Lucas Patrick, who is very familiar with Luke Getze's offense. On the other side with the Aaron Rodgers explanation, like Nathaniel Hackett, Rodgers knows everything. He doesn't need uh, a rookie center pointing out uh, who to pick up and what to do and all that good stuff. All right, let's do one more question. Uh, again, we appreciate everybody who is uh, who's been joining us in the Bears 85 hard to grade right after the draft. But what would you say about Ryan Poles and his process? I think I, I like it first off, because like we, you know, we started off with to have impact players coming in immediately in mm-hmm. day three, you know, that we're talking about that are going to impact this roster immediately. That's that's tremendous. Um you don't always come out and get that, you know, out of the draft. A lot of times you're day three, you're thinking future. You're thinking two, three years down the road. Maybe they'll be developed enough to get them on a second contract. That's kind of the thought process. And so when you, we, we talk about a start, potentially a starting running back, potentially depth, strong safety that might be on the field and play a good bit, you know, through a rotation or something or in a specific role, talking about special teams, people, you know, uh, a project, linebacker maybe he's an edge rusher we don't know yet we're going to see what they're going to do with him no that's great so having the balance you know where you want to take a little bit of risk 
and taking that project in the fifth round, mm -hmm. but also getting those impact guys that are going to play on your roster right away. Like I, I think that's the, the walking the fine line between the process where you don't want to be too safe thinking two, three years in the future and not too much of a, you know, too much aggressiveness because then, you know, that's how GMs get fired is getting too aggressive. So no, I, I thought that I thought it's a really good draft. Um, would I, would I say top 10? It's hard to say at this point. It might be, you know, cause I mean, if you kind of look at holes and plug in rosters and you know, what you're trying to do and what you, what you're uh, fixing to accomplish with it. I think there's a really good shot that there's a lot of impact players on this roster we didn't even talk about Tyreek Stevenson, man. We didn't even talk yeah. about Stevenson. You know, that's that's another corner that might play right away, you know, so. That is, it's funny because, I mean, when you look at, I just want him to be better than Joey Porter Jr., the pick that we gave up for Chase Claypool. And I think if Stevenson outplays him, you're like, well, we're better off anyways and we got Claypool. But I, I think when you look back at his tape at Georgia, and this was something that Draft Dr. Phil pointed out last week, like, this guy, and this is a, a trait that Ryan Poles had throughout the draft, was like tremendous athlete, but this guy can do a multitude of things in the defensive secondary. I had him coming into the year, I think, as my number four corner in the class. Uh, when I was, I did draft rank, you know, great ranks of mm -hmm. each position group. I believe he came out at four. Um, yeah, the tape was great. You know, like you want to talk about a guy that can, he can be physical. He'll be physical. He'll press people. You want to talk about a guy that can play zone? He can play zone. You want to talk about a guy that is capable of man coverage? He's capable of man coverage. And it's like we overlook corners that can do all three, you know, main types of coverage for, you know, defenses preferring somebody, right? Like, um, you know, I think Porter, Porter Jr. is one of the guys that can kind of do it all. But Banks is pretty much, you know, he's pretty much a man corner, I think. He's going to be in man coverage. You're not going to really want him in zone. Whereas, you know, Ringo is more of a, you know, a zone guy. You want him in zone. You don't want him in man. So um, we kind of overlook these guys that are good at all the coverages and can do it all. And instead, you know, like I say, we, it's really the NFL teams. We go, they go after these guys that are great at one or the other, you yeah. know, to fit the defense. And, uh, you know, you get guys like Stevenson that are kind of like left out on the, you know, on the overall boards because, oh, well, they don't have elite elite ability. Well, no, but I can do anything I want with my defense now with them, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah. yeah. And he has the length and the size to make up for any he, sort of. Yeah, long arms, if I remember, because I think he's 5'11". Yeah, yeah, but he's mm -hmm. got really, he's got arms that are like, normally you would have if you're 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah. yeah, so he he can if he misses an assignment, which he does. Uh, they talked about how smart uh, they find you know him to be and how cerebral and his football IQ is off the charts. But he does get beat. He's also got the physical tools to make up for that and you know make sure that the guy doesn't get past him that way. So I just thought that that was very interesting. And uh, Tyreek Stevenson actually and Tyler Scott trained together this offseason. Ooh, that was a fun little fact that came out of. Uh, minicamp was that do we know, they do we know where they that, that was the first call for each of them uh in tampa or i don't know if it was tampa but it was a, with a guy named i wrote it down murphy is his last name so it might be tampa because i think that there's a guy in tampa that trains um there's i've been learning so much yeah. about these trainers now that i've been going out yeah. to these different games and finding yeah. out you know, tyler murphy the is their are. trainer's names 
Tyler Murphy? Okay. Yeah. No, he's good. Mm-hmm. So that's why yeah. it piqued my so interest. They, I was like, ooh, who did they trade with? I don't know that. Huh. Yeah. It's usually yeah, it's yeah. usually train. Southern California at UCLA, USC, or Florida, somewhere. It's usually Florida. where it where it happens. Texas. Texas. Texas has yeah. up there, yeah. Yep. But but listen, John, we want to thank you for being here. You can find him on Twitter at Draft Vogel. Uh, what's what's next for you now that the draft's over? What is your your main area of focus? So it looks like this offseason got a lot of fantasy stuff. Uh, just started up with daily um, stat jocks. We're got, I just dropped a rookie report actually today. All of the rookies were drafted uh, with some fantasy insight as well as uh, you know some of the dra- undrafted free agents as well of note. Um, that just came out today. Then it's just, you know, it's, I've always already back to the tape. You know, yeah. I, I was looking at Duke and Boston College today. Duke's got a great offensive tackle coming out uh, this year that we're going to be talking about this time next year. Maybe I don't think we'll be talking about it with the Bears, but um, yeah. I hope yeah, not. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of, uh, it's just a lot of tape at this point. It's tape, it's profiling, going through, getting all the players right, and then just throwing all the updates I can on at Draft Vogel on Twitter. That's where pretty much all my stuff goes anyway. So, All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. Again, we've uh, we've enjoyed watching you not only here, uh, but all over the SICK network. So appreciate you taking some time to talk to some Chicago Bears. Hopefully we can do that again in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me. I do appreciate it greatly. No, we love the conversation. There he goes. John Vogel at draft at draft Vogel. Uh, some good insight and good. And it's good to get somebody who's who's not me. Who just doesn't like love them? I love everybody. Um, but anyways, what's next for you, Carmen? What do we got coming out from uh, from you over the next couple of uh, days or weeks or whatever? Uh, I'm I'm I. It's not whatever. I'm going into USFL coverage. I did. I was. I love. But I love talk about. Weekend. Yeah. How was it? Like, what was that experience? It seemed like really cool. How many? How many diet cokes did you end up with that day? Four, five. <laughs> what was the number? Uh, no, I actually only had three over the course of the two games. Oh, yeah. So I had one in each game, and I had one between the games. Uh, but Detroit, I, I really do love Ford Field. It's a great place, um, and I got to see you know the Michigan Panthers were the prime time game. They didn't win, but they drew a pretty good crowd. So it was exciting to see a different kind of football. And I got to catch up with some guys that I didn't expect to see, um, guys that had been on the Bucks and and coaches even. So it was cool. Uh, it was a cool experience. So this weekend I'm going back up there, but I'm going back up a day early because Detroit has their mini camp uh, starting this weekend, the rookie mini camp. So I will be at Detroit's practice on Friday, the Lions practice on Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, I have a game, a USFL game each day. See, that's why you didn't want to say anything because you were going to Detroit and you knew it would anchor me. But it doesn't. I know, exactly. I'm cool. No, no, no. I'm cool with it. But no, I appreciate the USFL coverage. That, the XFL has been very fun. Uh, And especially if you root for the White Sox, you need to find something else to do with your time because you do not want to watch that team. That game, what you should have done is when they scored 11 runs on Sunday, you should have been like, that's it for me. That. That is. I, I wish. I wish that they would have stretched those runs. Like you didn't need all of those in that game. You could have just saved some for the Save next game. Some. I was like, roll them over. The socks yeah. and bats. Because oh now I know that that's possible too. That's the you frustrating gotta... part. Is like I know that the team can do that, and now I'm like, mm, but you're not going to keep doing it. This isn't going to be anything consistent. Blow, <laughs> blow the organization up and start over. Um, send all their players to Anaheim. All the good ones. All, all two of them. No, I'm kidding. 
but listen, thanks uh, for being here, Carmen. We appreciate everything that you do. And uh, we'll check you out on FoxSports.com and all the great work that you're doing, not only with the NFL, but the, uh, the USFL as well. You know, I'll just st- say it here, too, by, by the way. Uh, thanks, to everybody, for joining us here. Uh, am I supposed to do a Manscaped read, by the way? Because I've got a box here. Manscaped, send us another <laughs> box. I don't know what's in it, uh, but we'll be talking about it. Okay, good. I'm giving them a little bit of flea publicity. They sent me something. I haven't, I've, my son said, I want to open like my four year olds. Like, I want to see this. I'm like, actually, you don't want to probably see this, uh, but we'll check it out later. But in any event, thanks so much, everybody, for being here. Uh, Kendall Williamson, it was great to talk to him. Hopefully, he'll come back onto the show. John Vogel, and of course, Carmen Vitale, uh, and for Sammy and everybody, thanks so much for being here. See you soon. And uh, until that time, bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.